This is episode 314 of The Amy Ehlers Show. The Amy Ehlers Show is especially for powerful, high-achieving women leaders that are ready to stop being so darn hard on themselves so they can make their greatest contribution. And show notes for today's episode can be found at amyehlersshow.com forward slash 314. On today's show, we're going to talk about the visibility issue. Why in the heck are women so afraid of being visible? And I couldn't think of a better guest to bring on for this topic than the incredible Siddiqui Ray, who's an internationally acclaimed intuitive photographer who captures soulful images that astonish, entertain, and move us. Her vision and talent has earned her opportunities to work with Forbes 100 Corporations, Time Magazine, the Associated Press, Mayo Clinic, Target, Macy's, you name it. And she's even really photographed amazing luminaries like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, wow, the Kennedy family, Nelson Mandela, and the Navy SEALs. Before her acclaimed photography career, Siddiqui had a profound personal journey out of addiction and depression as well as overcoming a life-threatening illness before emerging to become a world-known fitness expert, a coach to community and industry industry leaders, and a groundbreaking, you guessed it, visibility expert. Siddiqui, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's such a privilege and an honor to be with you, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, you and I have, we're newer friends in each other's world, colleagues, friends. I had the honor of being on a Facebook Live for your community not too long ago. And when we first got introduced by a mutual friend, I just was really blown away by your personal story and Mm -hmm. how you ended up rising up the ranks and doing so many incredible photographs as well as really seeing from behind the lens the things that are getting in women's way around visibility. So will Mm -hmm. you share a little bit about your personal story and how you came to become a visibility expert? (laughs) Oh, where to begin? Yes. We'll begin in the crib. If it's not too far back, I'll be (laughs) I like it. Go for it, lady. Yeah. So uh, my parents were both doctors and they were in medical school in the the family story goes that they were going to have six kids and I was number two. And from a very early age, I learned how to scale the wall of the crib, um, slink on down into their bedroom and take the doorstop, you know, the, the <laughs> kind of spring door, boing, 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 oh, right, until right. they would wake up and pay attention to me. Cause I really <laughs> wanted people to pay attention to me. Like, see me, look at me, hold me. I love and, um, that. So that, that began the beginning of my nickname in the family, which was monster baby. Um, I love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the visibility wound, which is really what I help people with, Mm. Uh, before they get in front of the camera really was, is forged usually at a very early age and it's either chronic, meaning it's ongoing or it's an acute wound, which is a sudden one time happening. But mostly I find with women that work with me in the visibility work is that it's, it's chronic. It's a chronic wounding around not feeling safe being seen and, you know, just fast forward and I could tell you over a dozen of these wounds that really shaped the trajectory of who I became in the world. 
but the good news behind all of it is, and, and the message that I would really want to put out in the world is that those visibility wounds help us define our gifts and refine the vision of who we're meant to be. And ultimately, when we overcome them or when we learn to work with them as part of the journey, it becomes our calling in the world, which is which is how I got to be so good at seeing and holding presence for others. Mm. When you say that this wound, like, can you give an example? Cause I know you've worked with so many different women and so many different, like from behind the lens, as well as in your visibility, I think it's master, master program, right? Yeah. Masterclass. Yep. Yeah. Um, what's some examples of visibility wounds? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they seem really benign and mundane, mm. but it, it, it all depends on how it plays out. So one of my clients is a huge, she's huge in a corporation. She's C-suite level mm-hmm. and she grew up in a family with addicts and her parents were just not there. There was a lot of abandonment going on, um, a lot of neglect. And she became this unbelievable C-level executive for in the film industry. This woman has more master's degrees and two PhDs. I think she's at four master's degrees, two PhDs, and she just got a cert- certificate from Harvard. <laughs> wow. And I call this, I call this kind of like overeducated Olivia. And what she did is she masked that pain and that wound of perfectionism with something that the world would see as competent. You know, yes. we, we often mask our incompetencies with competence and accomplishment. And, you know, she made it work for her, but ultimately she hasn't had a man in her life because she's so dominant and she's so needing to maintain that level of control and that facade of perfectionism that it, bites her in the butt when she really wants it the most. So I've been working with her on what I call uh, her archetype. So I I have this little quiz, the visibility archetype quiz, and she's the perfectionist. But on the opposite side of the perfectionist, there's this alchemist, Mm. this really magical creature that is trying and wanting and being called to put her magic out into the world, but is stopped short by this wound of perfectionism. So we really dive deep into what is what is that part of us that's wounded that's perfectionist what is she really wanting uh what does she need to feel safe and then what is the greater calling of the magic of her alchemy mm. so that's just one example but i'm telling you it's like these wounds they have two sides one is the shiny penny where it looks really good in the world and she has like a great body and she She's like Audrey Hepburn meets the devil wears Prada. Right, right. And it probably wouldn't be a problem if we just looked at it from the perspective of who she is in her career. But on the inside, she just, she can't have that level of intimacy and connection mm. that she really wants in a relationship. Mm. That's fascinating. And so I just want everyone to know where they can find this visibility quiz um, because I know that there's going to be women that are listening that are like, I want to know what the visibility archetype. So can you let women know where they can find that? Yeah, it's super simple. It's just bit.ly 
um, dot visibility quiz. So bit point ly point visibility quiz. Awesome. So definitely, I really want to encourage all of you listening to check that out so that you can see which of those archetypes. And I love it because you and I have talked about this with the inner mean girl archetypes as well. And there's such a beautiful overlap and so complementary with mm -hmm. the inner mean girl archetypes and with the visibility archetypes and how those shows show up. And, and you're, it's so true that when we have a wounding around our visibility, that then it can lead to this overcompensation that actually gets us some really good stuff in life, right? In her case, yeah. the PhDs and the accolades and other women like that, all of this ambition and this way of really making a big contribution in the world or really making a lot of money or having a lot of success. Or like you said, like taking amazing care of your body because you want to look really great and fit and perfect. And then there's this cost on the other side of it around how is it really costing you to try to keep up with that wound all the time? Yeah. And I think that a lot of times these wounds are very subconscious. Like we're not aware that the wound is driving the ship. The wounds, the wound, I call it woundology, uh, <laughs> comes from Jungian archetypes and from my best friend, Jeffrey Van Dyke, his work called tribal marketing, mm. which I'm certified in. And it was in that tribal marketing class where I realized the very things that wound us are the very places that we're meant to serve from when we, um, when we make peace with that piece of us that's been driving the shift, the shift, the shift, literally the shift, the <laughs> ship. Yeah. And, and we get awareness of it and we begin to have a dialogue with it instead of stuffing her away. And you know where I love, love, love your mean girl um, work is that all of the archetypes, the shadow archetypes, they really are a version of that mean girl. Mm -hmm. They just have a nuance and, and there's a because, because, because she exists because, you know, um, she, she felt fat and she felt unseen when she was growing up. So she developed an eating disorder and she became a perfectionist around her body. Like if I can just control my body enough, people will love me. But what controls her is this mean girl in her head that whenever she gets close to what she really wants, she literally has a voice that says, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Mm -hmm. And it's like even cracking the code on talking to that voice and getting any response besides, oh, now she hates me as the coach. <laughs> like, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that voice is so overpowering of what you're calling the mean girl. And in her case, I'm calling perfectionist, but really it's the inner critic. Yeah. And that inner critic is so programmed in from childhood for us as women. And as someone that is very visual in my world and in my career and how I take in information, I know that we are programmed from a very, very early age to have this inner critic, especially when it comes to our bodies and our body image. And that when I look at female leaders, it kind of doesn't matter to them how accomplished they are. They're always making this excuse or this apology as to why, um, why they're not where they want to be. And the body is the fall gal for that body image. Yeah. So it's, it's just something that I feel very passionately about bringing people's awareness to women's awareness to is 
how we are so subconsciously programmed to literally hate on our bodies as a default so that we can shift our perceptions of ourselves and become more powerful because this is this is the um the achilles heel this is our kryptonite is this inner voice don't you agree i totally agree and i think it's so interesting what you're saying around the body image and how that will hold women back in so many ways. And I even see it with my daughters, especially my middle school, my daughter who's in middle school, how young it starts and how pervasive it is, even when you have the education, even when you have a mother and father that are there and are educating and talking about media literacy and all of that, it still just creeps right into our subconscious mind on a deep level and holds us back hugely. Oh yeah, it's like, I, I really see it as the unseen, unclaimed virus of women in the Western world. You know, I have, I have had the privilege and the honor um, to humbly photograph the Dalai Lama 15 times all over the world in all different situations. And people widely misuse his quote which he said, um, something along the lines of the Western women will Maybe. save the world. And my caveat to that is, yeah, not if they're killing themselves um, and so focused on their body image in order to control things. We're not going to get beyond ourselves to go out and save anybody because we can't even save ourselves from this pernicious voice in our head that is really like, it really is a societal virus to women in the Western world. And, you know, it is the number one thing that I see from my perspective as a photographer and a coach and a speaker it is the number one thing that holds everybody back. And it's not, it's not based in the reality of how we look. I look back, Amy, to um, 1990 when I was on staff at Macy's, uh, first female photographer on staff at Macy's and all the models that I would photograph. And they were so rail thin, you know, bordering on anorexic if they weren't anorexic. Um, And they would always step in front of my camera and say the same thing that I've heard for the whole 33 years of my career, which is, can you make me look thinner? In these days, it's, do you have a Photoshop filter that'll make me look thinner? Um, And it's just so tragic that that is how we see ourselves. And I have to say that I have almost never heard men say that, even if they're fat and ugly and bald, right? (laughs) Toothless, they never say that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I would just, all of you listening right now, I'd love for you to really get honest with yourself around how your body image, the way that you feel about how you look, how has that been holding you back in your life? Like if you woke up tomorrow morning, a miracle occurred and all of us, you know, Siddiqui, me, all of us listening right now, woke up in the morning and never thought about if you're thin enough, if you look young enough, if you should get Botox, if you should have that plastic surgery, what outfit you're going to wear. Like if we just took that completely off the table, like a miracle occurred and we woke up from this trance (laughs) of being so clobbered all the time with how we look, how would your life be different? 
what would you be saying yes to? What would you be saying no to? Who would you be saying yes to? And who would you be saying no to? How would your life really be if you were really free of that? Can you imagine the collective energy that we would, um, the resources that we would save? I've often thought about how much time and energy I have spent in my life focused on my body and self-rejection. Now, caveat, I did have a, a massive eating disorder. I had bulimia, anorexia, and that took up a major part of my teenage years and my adult life, really focusing on recovery from that. Mm. And still to this day, the, the last thing that women usually recover as per the psychiatrist at St. Vincent's Hospital, where I spent two years on the psych ward, like Winona Ryder in Girl Interrupted, only I didn't have her uh, career as an actress. Right. You know, he said the last thing to recover is our body image. And I would say, if you look at Abraham Hicks and you look at the law of attraction, all of, all of the energy that we've put into the collective vortex of I want freedom from this obsession with my body. Uh, it would be, we would change the world with that energy alone, honestly. Absolutely. You're 100% right. And as I look at it generationally, when we look at our ancestors, when we look at our grandmas, when we look at our grandma's grandmas, when we look at our moms, when we look at our daughters and our nieces and the little girls that are in our lives, it's still being passed on. It's still there. And when you look at what happens on social media and you look at what happens on YouTube and you look at what the influence that is happening now, you know, there is this, this culture of obsession around it. And then there's also this anti-culture, this obsession around body love and positive body image and this new wave of activism for our youth that is about, hey, look at me and I don't really care what you think of me. And actually, you know what? My body is not here for your pleasure, by the way. So I'm going to actually put my energy into making a contribution in this world and having some happiness and some peace internally instead of constantly fighting against this insanity that it happens in our culture. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about that, and I do love that whole po body positive movement. Yeah. I think it's a really big deal. Um, and obviously it's not our generation that's doing it. It's a younger generation, but we have moved into a new level of narcissism. Mm. So instead of it being about body image, it's about image period. Mm. I've done a lot of research. I'm a total science geek. I worked for the Mayo Clinic for a decade and one of the things that I really know about science and tracking things is a lot of brain science. I'm totally into brain science. And this narcissism that we have in our society now, if you look at it from an ancestral view, we have never ever in the history of the world been so photographed and, and had so many images of ourselves. And so one of the things that I notice with women is that there's this fear of not being safe, being seen mm -hmm. because it exposes us in some way. And now we've done a, an about face on that and been like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to take total control of how people see me. 
and I'm going to just put all these images out there and manage, manage this perception of me, which we ultimately know never works because the minute you put something out into social media and out into the, on the World Wide web, you literally have no control over how people perceive you. So it's just, it's this flip side of the same coin. Um, and I'm not sure it's solving anything, but it is opening up possibilities in terms of self-expression, diversity, um, and really helping us to overcome our shame. But I would also argue that there is another subtle level of desperateness to look at me, look at me, look at me. I want to be seen and I'm going to put it all out there so that you can't reject me for being fat and having these rolls of fat. I'm going to put it out there myself. Right. So it's just, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. When you, so there's kind of these two extremes of the, you know, the look at me, look at me, the narcissism that I'm going to beat you to the punch. And I'm going to just say that I, this body love and where it's almost not authentic, where there's this sense of it being overdone. And then there's this other polar opposite of I'm going to hide and I'm going to torture myself to try to fit in with what culture tells me what, what I'm, who I'm supposed to be in your visibility masterclass what what's the middle ground there? What's the healthy response? I love that question. So yeah. when I when I look at people online, I know that we have like a 40th of a second before we actually have a conscious thought about what we're seeing and, mm-hmm. and our brain has already determined like safe, not safe. And so what I I see in these women that are like part of the body positive movement, which I'm not dissing by the way, I love, I'd much rather have it be like, let's strip down in our underwear and make fun of model shoots. There's this bored panda, (laughs) this woman from Australia on Instagram, and she makes fun of supermodel shoots and she like reenacts it as this 40 year old, slightly overweight, you know, woman it's hilarious. So I'd, I'd much rather have us making fun of ourselves and really owning it than the other side, which is collapsed. So the middle ground is this Brene Brown, who is my guru. Mm. Uh, she says, don't puff up, don't shrink down, just stand in your sacred ground. Mm. And that's, that is what I will spend my life exploring. What is the sacred ground around visibility where we're not puffing up and putting it in people's faces like, see, look at me, I'm fat and I'm in my underwear and I don't care what you think. And we're not collapsing and shrinking and becoming invisible and not engaging with the people that we're really meant to serve at all. We're standing our sacred ground, which is it's imperfection. And there's a, there's a lot of room for us ladies, if you're listening, women, to step into the redefinition of what is sacred ground when it comes to visibility. Mm. What a beautiful question. I'm, I, I want to encourage all of you to explore that. What is your sacred ground around visibility? What is that space of authenticity where you're not hiding, you're not puffing up, but you're just truly being you? And so with that, I know that we're, we're wrapping up here. I'd love to have you once again give that URL for your visibility quiz because I know that women are going to really want to take that. Sure. It's uh, bit.ly, B-I-T 
bit.ly forward slash visibility quiz. Great. And then where can people just find out more about you and your work? Where's the best place for them to go? I love people to come and visit me on social media, especially Facebook. I, I do a lot of raw and real and authentic videos. I also have a Facebook group called safe to be seen. Mm. And it's a place where I'm encouraging women to put up videos of themselves and to just talk openly and honestly about their fears, their apprehensions, what's blocking them from stepping up and really owning their voice, owning their presence. And so I would invite anybody to that group to just say, hey, I'm being challenged by this internal voice. I would love some support. Mm. And I'm really trying to create an atmosphere where we get to practice this new art, this new space of sacred ground with visibility. Love that. So I'm going to wrap with a final question I ask all my guests, and that is what's messy and what's magical about your life these days? (laughs) Oh, what's messy and what's magical. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm, I'm dealing with some pretty large physical challenges, uh, in the form of migraines Mm. and you know, what's messy is showing up and finding that sacred ground of when do I need to give myself a little push and show up anyway? And when do I just really need to back off and listen and find the sacred ground in the imperfection of, um, I can't show up today and I'm disappointed and I might disappoint people, but like, this is, this is where I am today. Yeah. And that is a messy line. There's no, it's a one day at a time, uh, exploration of my own desire versus reality. And, you know, these migraines are not anything new, but I'm really, I'm really learning, um, that it is a journey that it's all a journey and that part of my puffing up is me pushing myself through. My Part of my collapsing is um, going away and hiding and not sharing with other people what's really going on. And I, the more I'm out working with female leaders and thought leaders and entrepreneurs, the more I find that these physical maladies are so messy. Mm. And it's not a like one and done thing where you can just be like, whoo, thank God I'm over that. You know, it's kind of like whack-a-mole sometimes. Yes. (laughs) You know, one thing is done and now it's this. Yes. So I'm just really encouraging women to be with this place within themselves where it's okay to be seen in your vulnerability of not being physically either from the outside where we want to be or you know, inside, just not feeling our best and not feeling well and really helping each other come to a place of love and compassion and understanding and just having an open dialogue about it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here with us. This was such a juicy conversation. I know we could have talked for another hour or two, but I'm so glad that we, that we really were able to get into some of these bigger questions. And I hope for all of you that are listening that you really do the visibility quiz for sure. Go out and really look at how your self-image, how your body image is, might be holding you back. And then looking at what is that sacred ground for you where you're not puffing up, and you're not shrinking and hiding, but really you're being authentically you. 
And with that, until next time, it's Amy Ehlers signing off, remembering, reminding you to keep embracing the messiness and the magic of your life and to keep rising and leading. Until next time, bye-bye.